Memento Mori I thought about one of my favorite Sufi poems, which says that God long ago drew a circle in the sand, exactly around the spot where you are standing right now. I was never not coming here. This was never not going to happen. Elizabeth Gilbert The leash was all Chetan had to yank his dog back, but he won't listen to the tug. At home, he was treated in an imperious way, but when out on the roads, watching stray dogs without a leash around their neck, it hurt its pride immensely. Being just six months of age, he little understood the perilous road and its nefarious traffic. Walking with kindred, outdoor delights lured him to move without a leash. Chetan loved Casper very much, just like every owner loved their pets. All he wanted was to steer the dog away from harm's way. The road was seeing its busiest morning hour, and apparently every second spent on the road by the drivers was an encumbrance on their sylphs. So much so that at times, in their haste, people and animals walking on the roads became invisible to these drivers, just like sitting ducks, to be knocked over. That overcast July morning was ushered in by heavily laden atmosphere and cool wind, with the sun quite in the backdrop of the grey clouds moving imperceptibly slow behind the fast-moving clouds, clouds that were grey, dense and low, and appeared to be laden and weighing down with water, ready to burst open and splatter their contents down. Chetan observed that while stepping out with Casper, yet forgot to take his umbrella along, the fiery clouds caught him without an umbrella and felt slighted. Then the clouds started to roar and flesh, in resentment. Daunting him back home seemed their only agenda for now. Still not taking a cue from this spectacular drama, Chetan held upon his thread, hoping to return by the time it would start to pour. For a moment, he looked skywards and even considered to take a retreat, but he didn't. Somewhere in his subconscious mind, he was walking against his instincts, though unwittingly. Casper, his pomerian, scurried around his legs, just like white and fluffy clouds playing around the sun. Sometimes the sun edged ahead and sometimes the cloud, attempting to catch. It appeared as if the clouds were being held back, tethered to an invisible force, preventing them from breaking loose. As soon as they had walked a few blocks away from their house, Casper, finding open turf, started to pull on his leash. He wanted to dash around freely ahead of Chetan, but to his despair he was being yanked by him every now and then, to keep him out of harm's way. Amidst this game of pull and snap, Casper had a besitting habit of stopping to prod on the sideways, making annoying interruptions to Chetan's walk. The multitude of smells here on the road was overwhelmingly enticing for him. After humoring this for a while, Casper saw a bone lying on the side of the street and dragged Chetan towards that. To Chetan, it looked like Casper had found an occupation for a while. He felt relieved. After a long time of yank and pull, his arms could relax a bit. Somehow, that bone wasn't juicy enough and didn't lure the dog for long. So now, Casper saw something worthwhile on the other side of the road and finding him free from Chetan's constraint, dashed towards it. Chetan lost the hold on leash, 
and Casper scooted across the road unbridled. Just at that unfortunate moment, a car coming from behind Chetan ran over Casper. Before Chetan could turn, he came to know of this by the ominous shriek of the tires, followed by the loud yelp. It had started drizzling and the road quite blood-spattered now gave a sharp vivacious contrast to the rain, clean asphalt and the grey sky at horizon. Death was pulling hard on Casper, stronger than what Chetan could pull him back. Death had the final laugh. Sarla was getting ready for her office when it started pouring. It was end of September and the monsoon was still going strong. She saw her watch and then looked out of the window. It was 9.30 a.m. Running late by 15 minutes, she flustered and dropped her purse. At an age around 35, she looked young, not a day more than 25. She was dressed impeccably in a formal grey sari with a green border, which was the dress code for her office. She worked with the belief that one should appear her best while going to work. She hardly ever got late to her office and even if that meant leaving 10 minutes early for the office while leaving for office. And so she presently appeared to be in some hurry, pacing up and down the dining room, looking out of the window every now and then. Her forehead which already had a furrow, now deepened. As she frowned after looking through the window, she was already running late by not less than 15 minutes. She was definitely going to miss her office bus. And she fretted. Her office bus comes at her stop at 9.45 and halts for only 5 minutes. And the fact that the stop was around 20 minute walk from her place, she was sure about missing it. And to add to her misery, the heavens started pouring. She waited for a few more minutes, fully aware that the bus was not in her reach. She opened her umbrella and thought of stepping out. Precisely at that moment, Chetan came out from the bedroom, newspaper in one hand and balancing his mobile and cup of tea precariously in another, looking in dire want for a third hand. Please see to it that you buy me a car once these rains are over. Sarla blurted as soon as she saw him. He looked puzzled. What have rains got to do with a car? It took him a while to get the connection. Yeah, sure. Don't you remember I asked you last Dipavli too? There were a lot of offers then, but you refused. Then I appeared prodigal to you. And now, when there aren't any schemes or offers, you want to buy it urgently. Money isn't falling from skies. He looked out of the window. I didn't need it then, but I need it now, she said assertively. Okay, sure, but there won't be any offers right now, he said, trying to sound more reasonable than dissuading. Offer or no offer? You will buy me one, she said decisively. All right, boss. He nodded his head in approval, which had more of a hint of submission than conviction. Boss was reserved for such kind of times of giving up. Chetan surrendered to her, realizing that the urgency will wither with the passing of the rainy season, just to reappear next year with rains. He knew she was quite a penny pincher herself. See, it's 9.30 already and had started pouring. How am I going to reach the bus stop? Meanwhile, the maid had served whipping hot fritters with tea on Chetan's demand and he was trying to concentrate on that amidst her interjections. She looked at the plateful of fritters and then his corpulence and then again at his face. His eyes were still following hers, knowing not which way her eyes will turn. He slinked her stairs, picked a large one from the plate and dunked it in the bowl of chutney, trying to cover it up as much as possible, leaving only one edge of the fritter in his hand to hold. Balancing it awkwardly between his forefinger and thumb, he raised it to his drooling mouth. Will you be kind enough to drop me at the bus stop? 
After all, husbands do drop their wives on circumstances like this. That sounded like that's what husbands are only for, to him. The perilously balanced fritter slipped out of his hand and fell on the floor. His drooling mouth remained open for a few seconds, firstly in the anticipation of the fritter and then widened a little more in bafflement. His reflex action was the thought of stooping over and picking it up, but then he thought of something else and decided against picking it up. Her plea fell like a bloody X on his wanton plans for the day. He fancied spoiling himself in front of the TV for the full morning. Come on, ditch the office. Heaven won't break loose if you miss office for one day. He wanted to continue, but looked outside from the window and discovered the mistiming of it. Heaven was breaking loose already, quite literally. Come on, don't go to the office. We would snuggle up in the bed. He rephrased Feinecker hand and drawing her clothes, coquettishly. She considered this proposition for not more than a second, in which she felt tempted too, but didn't let it show on her face and snapped her hand back. A good part of Chetan's head was still on the fallen fritter. It had turned over as it fell and showed a big chunk of a red chili protruding from it. He was allergic to red chilies and despite Sir La's multiple warnings and admonition, the maid still made this mistake of adding red chilies in his food. Had he eaten this, it would have been harrowing for his stomach lining. On occasions of inadvertently eating red chilies, he ended up taking antacid for days. In his mind, he thanked Sirla for bringing up her demand of escorting her, the rain and the chutney. All of these were instrumental in averting him from eating the fritter. You realize I cannot afford to be as wanton as you? The conversation suddenly veered an ugly turn. He didn't want to spoil his languor by falling in any kind of argument and hence preferred to be quiet now. She saw her wristwatch once more, then the window, and said in an apologetic tone to readdress, It's only till bus stop. I'm not asking you to take me all the way to the office. And again, her tone acquired a vicious blue. Moreover, I have something about you to share that you might be interested in, she said, rolling her eyes mischievously. Chetan squirmed at this and wondered what it could be. He didn't keep many secrets from her, only as much as a permissive under limits of what a husband could keep in a regular marriage. He realized, accepting this offer of driving her down to the bus stop in exchange of her sharing a secret, however imminent, still had the risk of taking her all the way to the office. Her office was almost 20 kilometers from the bus stop. Taking her only to the bus stop had all the ominous possibility of sharpening into, let's go to the office, it's hardly 15 minutes now, and he was sure about that once they reached the bus stop and found it has left. He feared his leisurely morning was being snatched away from him as it had to be spent behind the steering wheel. He decided not yielding to her behest and dropped all the concerns which appeared on his face. Observing him to be still pertinacious, Sala took it as an offense but certainly not as a defeat and tried a new weapon from her arsenal. See, if you're not coming along, I'm not going to allow you for the Sunday's party. Chetan was taken aback. What the hell had this to do with his party? The party she was referring to was just a couple of his friends being invited on Sunday evening for drinks and a weekly dose of conviviality. She knew she realized how much he looked forward to his Sunday evenings to unwind, along with his buddies, to be threatened. That's hugely ludicrous to mix up these things. He snorted. Don't be mean. You going to the bus stop has nothing to do with my friends coming on Sunday evening. Deep down, he realized... Without her cooperation in the kitchen, he couldn't entertain his friends. Did he say or do anything like this when she invited her friends last to last Sunday? 
No point arguing as he realized he was being drawn in the strap deeper and deeper and the only way to come out would be to succumb to her urging. Looking out from the window, she spoke. Come here and see. Mr. Sharma is driving his children to school in his car. And all you do here is sit at the table, twiddling your godforsaken thumbs and make excuses. He saw his hands resting over one another literally, which he sheepishly placed apart on the table. She saw this act of his and sensing his untenable disposition charge further in his territory. He seems to be a far better husband and father than you. That was the final blow of a systematic quagmire by his wife on his chauvinism. He had been left to squirm in a march created by her. A mire inspired straight from a collection of Chanakya's aphorisms, Sam Dam Dund Ped. He was snared. He stood abruptly grumbling and rushed to his room to change. Chetan took the car out of the porch and aligned it against the picket gate of his house, waiting for Sarla to come down the stairs. When she came, rather than opening the door and getting inside, she tapped on the pane with her umbrella. He rolled down the window, visibly surprised, thinking what else she needs him to do now. The tire is flat, she said in a vexed tone. Never in his life had he felt these words, the tire is flat, as musical as today. His spirit soared instantly, and he couldn't conceal the grin which appeared to his vexed face like a sun shining through the dark clouds. He stepped out of the car to confirm, blew a small whistle exultantly, but immediately stretched the whistle a little longer, to masquerade the whistle to be more like a displeasure. He locked the car and looked at his wife, expecting her to surrender now. His hopes of spending an intimate morning with her in his bed had been inflated by this deflated tire. Nevertheless, more difficult she found to reach her office today, more resolute she became to reach. She opened her umbrella and quite defiantly started walking towards the road in the direction of a bus stop. She might get lucky to find the bus or some cab, she thought. Such fortitude, he said to himself and came back to the house. Something was pulling her to her office, which he couldn't retard. Not much damage had been done to his day's itinerary, which ran down from lying in the bed, munching his neck, spending a good part of the day lying in bed, watching a cricket match. His glance, after catching that large fritter lying on the floor with its attached chili, caught a painting still alive with a skull. A memento mori, painting by the French painter Philippe de Champagne, which displayed the three essentials of existence, the tulip, which means life, the skull, which means death and the hourglass that signifies time. It depicted the symbolic reminder of inevitability of death. Chetan pondered for a moment and then shrugged his thoughts. The rain, which was lesser earlier, had turned to be a torrent now, as it poured down relentlessly. Roaring thunderclaps and gusty winds ruled the place. The large copious raindrops falling at an angle fell stinging to the eyes. It appeared as if the rain was throwing a fit today, pummeling everywhere. Sarla was finding it difficult to walk with her wet sari getting drawn between her legs every now and then by the gust of wind. Sloshing through the rain, puddled footpath, her sandals got wet and so stuck to the pavement while walking as she waded through her way. During one such step, her sandals snapped and broke. She cursed the reins, the umbrella, her sari, and of course the sandals. She, in a flow of curses, loathed her husband and his damp punctured car. There were only a handful of people on the footpath, some even without an umbrella, making their way in such weather. Everyone on the footpath wondered what the other was doing outside in such torrential rain. Whatever their reason was, it must have been very pressing. 
This cruel rain meant business and right now its business was to make sure she stayed inside. She however didn't slow her pace and reached the bus stop and to her dismay to find it was deserted. She saw her watch it was 10 against her hopes. She hoped that the office bus might have been stuck up and running late. She waited for a good 15 minutes all soaked up. Her umbrella tried to do its task with full faithfulness though in vain. She saw from the far end of a street a vehicle growing large on the road. It turned out to be the car. It pulled up right beside her. She felt a little awkward and a little threatened at the same time. She tried to see the face of the driver against the furiously moving wipers. She couldn't make out the face though. The window rolled down only a few inches. It was Mr. Sharma who was returning after dropping his children at school. Mrs. Mera, what are you doing here in this rain? Mum, just waiting for the bus to my office. She felt a little stupid standing here at the bus stop and felt a little ridiculous for the first time since morning for her fortitude. Oh, I think you should have called a day off today. As you can see, it would be very difficult for you to find a bus or a taxi today. I couldn't. I have an important meeting today in the afternoon. She measured the importance of the meeting while saying this and realized perhaps the meeting is not that pressing as a steadfastness to reach office however not any more standing on the deserted bus stop sharma ji looked lusciously at sarla her sari was hugging to her body making her curvaceous figure very conspicuous her silk blouse betrayed the finer details of her bosom if you wish i can drop you at home trying to hide the lust in his eyes as far as possible She felt this proposition very tempting and a righteous escape route for a situation where she had put herself into and was about to say yes when she saw another vehicle approaching from a distance she couldn't make it out amidst a downpour but it was larger than a car so perhaps a bus and indeed it was no thanks having come this far i should perhaps make my way to the office but thanks anyway no issues he looked with displeasure at the bus rolled up his window and wheeled away The office bus was empty except for the conductor. She showed him her pass and settled on one of the rear seats. For the first time in the morning, she felt at ease. In the snug of the bus, she became a little less self-critical of her decision of going to the office. She felt relieved to see many cars and bikes in the parking area of the building. The big sardonic smile that the lift operator flashed to see her made her uneasy. She went to her office on the 13th floor and pushed open the huge glass. The door had a magnificent insignia etched on the glass, reliable cables and electricals, proud appraisal of the firm. They made the best quality electrical fittings, devices and cables. The company had won the Golden Peacock a national level quality award last year. In the entrance lobby that was meant for visitors, the golden salver stood proudly on a pedestal. The salver was intricately carved on the rim and showed their company's name beneath an equally magnificent golden colored peacock behind this salver there was an overly enlarged photograph of the award ceremony as a backdrop with the md mr rakesh receiving the award from prince of uae the guest of honor for that function and all the senior office staff including her were lined up beside the md in that picture the md had specifically requested the management committee of the award ceremony to allow his senior office staffers to accompany him on the dais while the award was given it was such a proud moment for her
All the doubt she had for her steadfastness to reach for the office today to attend the company's meeting disappeared as soon as she entered. She was a proud member of this proud organization and hence did not throw at all for all the trouble she had in reaching the office today. While she was rehearsing her plan for the day, moving to her chamber, she was intercepted by the MD, Mr. Rakesh, at the threshold of her chamber. Hello, Mrs. Mehra. Good morning. Morning, sir. She beamed. You look so soaked up. You might catch a cold. He had this look of reverence for her, for her fortitude to come to the office even in this inclemency. She could discern that appreciation. It's not a problem, sir. It's my honor to work with you and this company. Somewhere in the back of her mind, the upcoming appraisal danced along. Still, if you wish, I can arrange to drop you home with my driver. Sir, but the meeting? She asked, surprised. Oh, that. I was just about to call you guys that the meeting stood cancelled. I just talked to the delegation head and she said they can't make it in such weather. It had been rescheduled for Monday. Lightning struck her. She couldn't utter a word. Her emotion, an eponym for bewilderment, her heart, one for squirming fish out of water. She didn't let this show on her face though. She wanted to salvage whatever could be from the situation. It's okay, sir, she said coldly, her enthusiasm gone. I will stay now since I have come all the way. This will give me some more time to work upon my presentation. With a wry smile, she pulled open the door and entered the room. She slumped on the chair and reflected upon her miserable mental and soggy physical state of affairs. Had she gone back now to her much chargerin, Chetan would have certainly quibbled at her. That is the last thing she had wanted after all the trouble she had taken as a proud employee of a proud organization. He wouldn't have understood, she thought. For a good ten minutes, she felt wretched as she sat on a chair, pondering and reflecting on the day's affair so far. She really had been exorbitantly desperate to reach the office today, she thought. She had reasons, of course, but none of these reasons matched her desperation. Why was she being so unreasonable? It appeared as if some invisible force was playing with her psyche and pulled her here. Sarla shook her head unwittingly. She is never unreasonable. In her self-esteem, handling things with utmost logic whenever there was a muddle in a situation. Once this phase of confused emotions and self-loathing passed over, her attention came back to her physical being. She was soaked through and through and felt cold and uncomfortable. She could use a cup of pipping hot coffee. Just at the moment of striking the disc bill for the peon, she thought of having her own green tea, and she held her hand mid-air. She had an electric kettle just for this purpose, which stood on the table behind her desk. She stood up from a small puddle of water and plugged it, the tea maker, in the socket. At the same moment, in the director's cabin, the empty Mr. Rakesh saw a sudden fluctuation in the lamp overhead. He wondered as all the electrical fittings in his office were from his own company and he was very sure of the quality of their products. Then what could be the reason? Was it from a short circuit? But why? Following immediately, he heard a clear and distinct thud across the corridor, emanating from another cabin. That sound hung ominously in the corridor for a moment. The fluctuating light stopped and the bulb over his head lit steadily again. 